Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is January the 31st, 2023. I think this will be the last January podcast we do, certainly for 2023. And we're going to be talking about podcasting and video and all the technology associated with producing content on the internet. This show is actually produced and recorded both in video and an audio form on Restream, which is a platform I like. But we're not talking Restream today. We're actually going to be talking Zencaster, another very promising platform, an audio platform that also uses uh, video. I've used them in the past. I've always been very happy with them. And they're in the process of raising um, some money in terms of uh, redefining themselves or growing themselves into an all-in-one podcasting platform. I'm thrilled that um, we're being joined today by their founder, Josh Nielsen, from Salt Lake City, where he's lived for a few years. Uh, Josh, welcome. Um, I don't want to turn this into a... Uh, a Zencaster versus Restream versus any of these other platforms. Rather, I'd like to talk about um, your mission, which is not yours alone, but you seem to be pioneering it in some ways, of democratizing professional podcasting. What, it, what do you want to do in terms of this democratization of podcasting? Yeah, I mean, I think, and and we share this as part of our our crowd fund as well that we want to help uh, podcasters be able to turn their passion into their profession. Uh, you know, most podcasters are that are getting into the form the 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 medium or have been in it for a while uh, have a lot of struggles, um, even finding an audience and especially in monetizing that it's a lot harder in podcasting than it really should be compared to other mediums. You know, YouTube creators really have uh, a wealth of tools and a great platform and uh, a way to grow their audience and make money just sort of at the push of a button. And it just doesn't exist in podcasting right now. A lot of people are struggling to figure out how to make that happen uh, for themselves. And we've decided, you know, we, you know we've got a long history of helping uh, podcasters and creators record in high quality. But we want to help them all the rest of the steps of the way to not just creating a podcast, but finding an audience, uh, growing your status and your your reach and monetizing and making money if that's what your goal is as well. Josh, uh, in your slides, you, you have a nice one of the problem. It's chaos out there. It's very hard, particularly for a startup podcast, to figure out their place in the ecosystem. So that's the problem for people not watching it's a it's a rather chaotic slide the solution is everything originating from zencast what's the big problem josh for somebody who wants to turn their podcast into a, a professional business uh, you know the there's <laughs> let's there's many let me i guess we'll start from the beginning you know as i mentioned we're helping uh, creators record since 2015 um, and even back then, one of the very first questions we got after someone finished recording, they say, well, what now? And if you've ever made or published a podcast, you know, there's a lot of things left. You got to produce this content. You have to, you know, if you're going to do intros and outros, you got to edit those in. Um, you have to figure out how to get it distributed. So you got to find a hosting platform to distribute the content for you. And 
then you got to actually find people to listen to you. And there's really not a great way right now uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, to, to really grow your audience easily and kind of algorithmically like a platform like YouTube does where you put your content out there, they go and they find your audience for you. They, they, they know people's habits and what they watch and they know they're going to like your content too. And so they feature you and grow your audience for you. And then if you hit a certain threshold of downloads per month, you flip a button and now you're into rev share with, with, uh, YouTube in podcasting that really doesn't exist. Um, and this is what we're building is to make it just as easy for a podcaster to find the audience and get out there, start making money, get value back for the, you know, the energy that you're putting out there into the ecosystem. My podcast, Keenon, which is now, I think we have 12 or maybe even 1300 episodes. So it's doing pretty well and it's generating significant income for me. I work in association with LitHub, which is a, a, a book website, but we operate off um, Megaphone. Isn't Megaphone in a way, which is owned by Spotify, isn't that the equivalent of YouTube when it comes to podcasting? You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but last I checked at Megaphone, they're pretty good. They do a pretty good job of helping you monetize inventory that you've already got, but not so well on helping you grow. So if you're a podcaster who has 100, 500, 1,000 monthly downloads, you know, you really need to grow first before you're really going to make any substantial amount of money um, doing CPM based advertising like you would we'd get on Megaphone. And that's where we see ourselves slotting in uh, to in, in a really unique way is, you know, we obviously also help match creators with advertisers, programmatic advertisers, as well as direct to brand advertisers. But um, the same technology that we use to say, hey, brand, here's all the podcasts you should advertise across which is contextually um, mapping them with keywords from, of what the podcasters are talking about. We can also use that to connect podcasters with one another and basically say, hey, if you want to grow your audience, um, if you want to you know, grow first before we start to try and you know, get the money train going, let's get you featured on a bunch of podcasts that have similar audiences to what or who are talking about similar things that you're talking about and therefore have audiences that are probably going to like your content as well. Josh, um, give me some numbers. You slightly poo-pooed the, at least in terms of monetization, the, the podcaster who gets a thousand downloads a month. Is there a, a basement number you need, you think, to start generating some reasonable degree of income? You know, it's really variable because there are some small shows that have make a lot of money because they're in like a really niche and highly valuable um, niche, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, like, I don't know, I've seen some that were interesting, like in the photography lens space or like there was one like around in like the liquid natural, natural gas um, space that they just have really, really high CPM. So they can make money off of a podcast that has 5,000 monthly downloads. I think the way we look at it is not so much in how do we help podcasters advertise, but how do we help them monetize or get get the value that they're they're putting into the ecosystem? And that could be different at different stages of the game for a podcaster. When you're small and you've got you know 500, 100, 500 monthly downloads, you're probably better off doing a backer program or maybe even getting into what we're now uh, offering at Zencaster affiliate offers, where you know 
you, we're not paying you up front, but anything you convert, you get a kickback on the payment. And that helps you get into some deals with bigger brands earlier on that probably wouldn't work with you when you're that small, if they had to pay up front in advance on a CPM deal. And then all the, all the, along the way, offering growth opportunities as well, opportunities to cross promote with other creators. And then as you grow, then it really makes sense to then layer in programmatic advertising and then the even higher uh, CPM kind of direct to brand deals that we're going out with our sales team to find for our creators. Josh, you suggested perhaps implicitly that you want to become the YouTube of the podcasting space. YouTube, uh, of course, was bought back in, I think, 2008 by Google for about $1.5 billion, which at the time seemed a huge amount of money. I wrote a book at the time making fun of Google, and I'm the one now who's seriously embarrassed. Uh, YouTube is worth sev probably several, if it was split off from Google, probably worth several hundred billion dollars. You're doing your first round on WeFunder. Why aren't you going to VCs? Um, if you are indeed going to become the, the YouTube of, of, of podcasting, shouldn't you be valuing your business, which is already well established? I think you're close to being the fourth largest uh, platform network for, for podcasting. Shouldn't you be valuing your, your company in the tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars? You know, we actually did raise our first round from traditional VC at the end of 2020. Uh, we raised four and a half million dollars, and that was to take us from a recording platform to being this all-in-one um, purpose-built solution for podcasters to help them grow and succeed and monetize as well. And we built that all out and launched that at the end of August of 2020, so last year now. Um, and But we, what we found along the way is that uh, you know, our goal is to partner as closely as we can with our podcasters, become very aligned with them and uh, kind of invest in them early and grow with them uh, and monetize with them as they grow. What we found is that a lot of our podcasters were also asking, hey, I'd, I'm, you know, I'd like to invest in Zencaster. Is there a way I really believe in what you're doing? Can I? And for the longest time, we've always just said, no, there's just really not an easy way to do that. We're not set up for that, you know, this and that. But they, you know, recently they've changed some regulations uh, that basically allow you to crowdfund from your um, creators, from your users uh, in a way that really works, I think, to to work towards that goal of making sure we're all aligned. And the people who are helping build the platform and bringing all the value to it can actually have uh, access to uh, the value that of the not only their own channel and their own podcast, but of the business that they're helping to build. Uh, on top of the in, the, in the podcasting ecosystem as well. And so this is why we decided to open up this uh, part of this uh, round to this next round to crowdfund. And, you know, we, you know, I can't guarantee this yet, but we've definitely talked internally about every crowd, every time we raise money, we'll probably open up uh, part of it to a crowdfund as well, just because it's such a great way to, Get, get the word out about where, what you're doing and then get a lot of feedback and get a lot of people invested in what you're doing. And um, these people are more likely to give us great feedback in the future, more likely to um, really help and promote and just care that in, you know, about what Zencaster is doing. And that's really valuable to us. So you can only invest in this round if you're a Zencaster user. You won't just take investment from, from anybody off the street. So we reserved the first, well, we, early, we started it in private mode 
to give all of our users and creators the uh, the opportunity to get in first at a discount. And then now uh, we're opening it up publicly so anyone can come in and invest as well if they choose. Oh, rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of your investors wanting to put a bit more money in. <laughs> you describe yourself as a growth network. How many podcasts are there currently on the Zencaster platform? Uh, you know, we've got tens of thousands of monthly active hosts on the platform. Uh, they've got an average of, I think, in our recent survey, one and a half podcasts per account. So, you know, we're in the high tens of thousands. So there's one thing about Zencaster that has discouraged me from putting my chips in with yours, which is that you don't seem to focus as much on the streaming and the video side, certainly in comparison to Restream. Am I wrong? I mean, I know you do some of this and that you have introduced a video platform, but do you see yourself still pretty much as a podcasting platform? And do you see podcasting exclusively in audio rather than video terms? Um, no. Well, sorry, you asked me multiple questions. The final one I said no to. Um, no, we very much think podcasting, uh, in the podcasting RSS spec, it's always supported video as well as audio. It's just the bandwidth was way too expensive and even still is in a lot of cases to, to publish that way. So most people have just done audio. Um, we definitely believe that if you want to grow a podcast, um, or certainly we can help you, but one of the things that we want to help you do is get your podcast clipped and put onto all the different social platforms in a format that's going to convert well. And if you only have audio, it's really hard to post on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, uh, you know, and get that to convert. People aren't going to switch to watch a 45 minute audio or listen to a 45 minute audio file on Twitter. But if you've got a short clip and transcripts, audio and video, now you've got something that can go anywhere. And that really is a big boon to driving engagement in your podcast. And to, I think your previous question about streaming, uh, we very much see streaming as part of the podcasting um, kind of swarm of, of, of ways that you, of, of the types of media that you kind of the flurry around your podcast. I think one of our initial inspirations for what this, the ideal podcast workflow might look like was um, my first boss or my first boss at a startup, Jason Calacanis. He has a podcast. Yeah, Jason's an old friend. Uh, he's been on this show when it was on TechCrunch a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Jason, uh, you know, he's an OG podcaster um, and I used to work my desk was right behind. They turned the boardroom at the, in the office into a podcast studio. And I used to sit uh, like right behind their production desk and see guys like Elon Musk coming through and being on the podcast and was, you know, really fun and uh, interesting. But if he, you know, he had a team of people, he had like five sales guys selling ads. He had two or three producers. He had a you know, I don't know exactly how many there were, but there's maybe 10 people involved in this podcast, but he, with the with that team of people, what he was able to do is he would do a live stream first, audio and video. I think he did it on Ustream, which was fun because the super fans could come in and chat. If anybody had a question for the the guest, you know, a lot of times he'd pull questions out of the audience. And then they would take that and they would publish that as an audio podcast and they had a separate video podcast stream that they would publish as well. Then they would clip that up into little clips and put this on social. And this is back in 
2000 and I don't know, 10 or something like that. So it's kind of ahead of the time. He, uh, I think he really, before a lot of people realized that um, playbook, you know, he was doing it. And we still think that's a really strong playbook because um, it really maximizes the amount of time or minimizes the amount of time and maximizes the output of the, the content that you're putting out there. It caters to the super fans who want to be there right now. It caters, or at the time of recording, it caters to the people who want to listen to it, async, and it caters to the people that just want to see your clips on social. So we have not prioritized the live streaming part as as of yet to be kind of the, the next big thing we're doing, but it's definitely on the roadmap. And then to be fair, just as I said, there's one thing that discourages me. The one thing that I like about what you're doing, I still don't entirely understand it, but it it's certainly more attractive than the megaphone product is it, it seems to me that you're suggesting that if, for example, a show like Keenon came onto a Zencaster, I would have strategic a, a, a access to other in business development and building um, audience to other shows on the platform. Is that, how does that actually work? I mean, it sounds good, but I'm not sure how it actually works. Yeah, we're still in the process of kind of kicking this off and we've just sort of done some tests with creators behind the scenes uh, uh, so far. So it's not something that like I could say, hey, come do this right now, uh, but this is coming soon. Um, but basically, uh, basically two ways that you can do this. A, you know, well, let me rewind. How does it work? We transcribe all the content that gets recorded on the platform. Then we can topic model it. And then we can tell who's similar regarding what they're talking about. And therefore, who probably has similar audiences that you should cross promote with one another to, you know, if you like this podcast, you're probably going to like this one. So that's like technically how we do it. Um, and then we can just say, you know, we know these similarities and that can be, Hey, brand, you want to find all the people that are talking about 401ks and retirement and advertise to their audience. Fine. Hey, podcaster, you want to find people who are, who are interested in those things to be in your audience that works too. And so we can either set you up to do a cross promotion with other creators in the network, or if you're a brand, uh, we, we can help people just, you know, pay to run ads and how that functionally would work is, you know, you could say, Hey, uh, this is Andrew at the Keenon podcast. I know you, if you like me, you love tech and entrepreneurship. You're really going to love, you know, I'll give Jason a plug this week in startups. Go check it out at this. Yeah, I'm not sure Jason up. really needs a plug anymore, <laughs> yeah, right. but you know, you get the idea. Like, uh, that's, that's kind of how it works. A host in a host read endorsement, um, is really how we see that, that playing best is. And I think that's how podcast audiences, you know, endor endorsement from the hosts carries a lot of weight they see you as a as a celebrity and your your opinion and, and uh of saying hey you should like this show it means a lot and that drives that drives uh, engagement it drives people to subscribe and this is what how it does how it works on youtube you know there's people doing five and six figure deals to get cross promoted onto like big podcasts um that's we're not trying to you know we want to make a network where you can cross promote for free and grow and then we will, you know, grow with you and help you monetize. But, you know, same idea. Josh, as you know, again, probably much better than I do, or certainly as equally as well as I do. Most podcasters are not salespeople. They like producing content. They like doing their stuff. But they don't like selling, especially advertising, which is very hard. How does a platform like yours sell advertising? Do you package up all the content, all the different podcasts, on your platform and then sell 
I don't know, a, a million downloads a month or something like that. So obviously we need the permission of the creator. If we're yeah, I mean, that's given. I mean, and, but, but by being on Zencaster, presumably you can, you can choose to become part of your ad network. Exactly. Yeah. I guess what I was meaning to say is not just anybody, we're not doing this. Uh, if you sign up and just use our recording tools, we're not automatically going to go out and try and sell inventory. Um, we, we make sure that we have permission and an agreement with the creator. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's kind of two big ways you can monetize for advertising and podcasting right now. One is plugging into programmatic providers where you just put the inventory up for sale on a program on a, on a uh, yeah, and that's program. megaphone pretty much. Yeah, this is what megaphone does. They sell it on a programmatic marketplace, and you've got companies that, or even bots that are, you know, buying off of heuristics, and uh, those those give you a much higher guarantee of of a fill rate, so you'll have more ads bought, but they're going to be lower CPMs, sort of in the seven to fifteen dollar range. Whereas if you go directly to a brand or directly to an agency and you're selling, you know, bigger shows that have, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands and up, then you can charge um, higher, higher CPM, higher cost per thousand uh, monthly downloads uh, for those direct brand deals. And so the way we see it is you come in, we'll help you get your um, content backfilled with programmatic, the lower the you know the lower revenue programmatic uh, ads, so you have a baseline of revenue off of your content that you can count on, and then we go out and say let's go find the more valuable direct to brand deals, and we work with brands, uh, you know like the, the ones you tend to hear like the Blend Jets and the uh, Grammarly, BetterHelp, Babbel, um, have conversations and deals going with a lot of these guys. And just connecting them with the right podcasts um, that are going to help drive ROI for the brand. You present YouTube as a successful product. I'm not sure everyone would agree. Certainly, it's very successful in terms of its visibility and its number of users. But they're quite controversial in terms of the the cut of advertising sales they take. What does what's Zencaster's position here? I know. Uh, this is a, a one of the more controversial areas of of, of internet uh, business, uh, but YouTube have have been accused of taking up to fifty percent of advertising revenue just uh, through their sales team. Does Zencaster have, uh, borrowing your your language of democratizing professional podcasting? Are you also democratizing profession the, the professional podcasting business so that podcasters will be able to earn a living? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely focused on trying to help people turn this into a successful, um, you know, business endeavor, if that's what they're trying to do. Um, our, you know, we, you know, for instance, I think Megaphone does a 50% rev take as well. Last I checked, um, we have, we're working on, you know, right now the deals we're doing is a 40% rev take, um, 60 goes to the creator. We're also working on some, uh, some ways to kind of moderate that depending on what the goals are of the creator for, uh, and I, the, the, those ideas are a little too early, I think to, to, to discuss yet, but there'll be some nuance to how we, uh, uh, define, define the rev take in ways that you can, um, decide as a creator, what, what works best for you. One of the people, uh, supporting your endeavor is Seth Godin. Uh, he says it's 
Zencast is the gold standard for recording audio conversations for podcasts and things like this. It's hard for me to imagine the quality being better. I think he's, he's right, certainly in terms of the quality. He was on my show when it was a TechCrunch show back in 2011, more than 10 years ago. Um, he talked back then about the industrial age just ending. He's a visionary. What's your sense of our current moment in, in internet or online broadcasting history uh, in, in a more meta version than just uh, Zencast or even podcasting? How revolutionary an age, Josh, do you think we're living in? You know, I, I think that really what's happening in the podcasting space is part of what's being more broadly um, talked about as the influencer economy. Um, I think people are starting to realize that podcasters are influencers as well. Um, even though podcasting kind of, you know, was, was percolating under behind the scenes for a long time while big things were happening in, in uh, like video and YouTube and in, in Instagram and TikTok. And I think a lot of people are now realizing that podcasting is actually uh, a really big part of if you want to be an influencer moving forward maybe one of the best ways to really create the content that you need on all the different platforms to go multi-platform, uh, to grow your audience as fast as you can and grow your influence and your brand. But can't you do that? I mean, you could still be on Twitter and have a traditional radio or television show. So in, in that sense, it's not that revolutionary. What is it about podcasting that makes it so revolutionary? Hmm, good question. I think... You know, we've always just looked at this as, as uh, um, well, I think, let me, let me reframe the question in, in a way that I can maybe answer. Why are we doing what we're doing in podcasting and why now? We are, um, you know, we, we started with this idea of helping people record remotely. It was targeted at podcasters. But we attracted YouTubers, Twitch streamers, um, radio stations, media companies, whatever, all across the board. And we still have a lot of them using us. But we said, well, okay, we, we've got options. How, you know, we can become, we can really double down on the people from Twitch that are using us and help them or the people from that are push publishing to YouTube or, you know, the radio, go, go, go help every radio station figure out how to get all their content, um, you know, formatted and into the, into the digital world properly. But what we found is that I think podcasting has kind of a confluence of things happening right now. It's growing really strongly. It's like a 30% plus um, compound annual growth rate right now. It's relatively small, I think, compared to where it's going. Um, and I think it's very, it's very much underserved relative to these other markets. Like Twitch obviously has, <laughs> Twitch streamers have Twitch, right? Um, and there's YouTube has greater, made a really great platform for, for video creators. But for podcasting, they really didn't have that infrastructure and that um, just the, pro the, the, the product, the underlying product needed to actually help people hold their hand along through the whole process. And so this is the combination of it being such a high growth space, um, being really underserved and our positioning in the market already kind of aimed at podcasters, having a lot of, you know, being the first mover in the space of the remote recording technology just really made sense for us that this is the this is the market that we're really interested in and the market where we can make the biggest difference. So your growth at the moment is you've got 500 million monthly listens of non-network Zencaster users. 
um, you say you're on track to become the number four network. Who, who is one, two, and three? Um, I, I, there's, I think uh, iHeart is up there, like Audio, Audio Boom, and some of these other guys who have kind of built. Basically, what's happening is there's a, there's these hosting companies out there that are trying to go out and uh, just get all the big creators, and then they go out and they're going to sell that inventory um, to the advertisers and they've got a sales team. None of them are really focusing on the create on the creation process so much as the, um, bundling up the inventory, hosting it, distributing it and selling it. We think that there's a, the key to really winning in the space and providing the most value is to have the creators on your platform. So when you can go to brands, you can say not we've signed contracts with, these big creators when we want to sell your inventory, but like we have tens of thousands of podcast creators, both big and small, medium and everything in between that already trust us and have trusted us for years. They've asked us for help. We are coming to you to help them. And that's a different sell. And that's something that's attractive, um, attractive to brands. And I think is a unique offering out there. One of the, one of the problems that we originally had, doing this when, you know, this is years ago now, but when we found that we had probably about 10 million monthly downloads across all the creators that were on the platform, they came to, I said, okay, there's gotta be, and I, and I, we did a survey and 85% of them didn't have mod, uh, advertising or any kind of monetization and they wanted it. So I went to the big agency at the time and I said, Hey, we've got, you know, at least 10 million monthly downloads that want advertising. Let's do a deal. And they said, it's not possible can't do it. And I was like, really? Why? Like, what's, tell me the problem. And they said, well, most of these advertisers you know, at the time, especially this was, you know, five years ago or so were coming from radio. They are used to dealing with a small amount of big creators uh, with large audiences and they want to know when it runs. They want to listen to the read. They want to have someone listen to the show, make sure that it's in alignment with the brands that they're selling and, you know, they're not running ads against like racial slurs or things like that. Right. And when you're saying, Hey, let's change the model instead of advertising with, you know, five or six big shows, let's do 25, 30 small shows. Then they didn't know how to just organizationally deal with that from like a man. They were like, Oh, we'd have to hire 20 people to just quality control all that stuff. And this is where, you know, this is when we started kind of thinking about how do we, how do we solve that problem? And it took, you know, several years and we had to build a machine learning team, figure out how to cost effective, cost effectively transcribe our own content. Um, but you know, that now gives us the power to not only contextually match brands and creators with one another, but to also negatively filter out, um, or filter out any like negative content as well. So you could say, I want to, I want to add, I want to make an offer to all the creators who are talking about, you know, tech and entrepreneurship, but I don't want anyone that's talking about guns or cigarettes or, um, you know, political speech or anything like that. And that's, I think the, you know, how we're approaching opening up the long tail, the, the torso and long tail of podcasting to monetization. They're historically been completely left out. Um, everyone's just fighting over the top, you know, thousand or so podcasters that have the all, you know, basically most of the listenership. But what we found is that, um, you know, only about, I said most, but it's actually not true. Well, I think something only about 30% of the podcasts 
of of all podcast listenership in a month is in the top um, kind of the head content and the rest is all across the long tail. But it's just really hard for brands to know how to pour their money into the mid, the torso and long tail of podcast content while we're maintaining brand safety. And that's the kind of the network cracking. Uh, Josh, I do a weekly tech roundup with my old friend, Keith Tier, who was the original investor in TechCrunch, close friend of Mike Harrington and everybody else in Silicon Valley. This week, we did a show on the death of unicorns and in the increasing irrelevance in his mind of social media. Um, what do you make of the, the downturn in late 2022, 2023 when it comes to tech? Are you concerned or is it just another cycle? You know, you're probably getting above above my pay grade on. Being well, you're seeing it in terms of investors. You're seeing it in terms of general conversation. You're a startup founder, so you you know this world. I'm it's very aware of on you. I'm aware of what's of, of what's what's going on and kind of how we're experiencing it. As far as knowing, you know, all the causes and uh, how we're going to get out of this, I, I couldn't really say. But I I do see this as I do. I to answer your question, I don't see this as a permanent downturn. I think we're definitely seeing some corrections based off of, you know, the, the COVID shutdowns, I think really kicked off a, a, a just a wave of, of tumult in the, in the economic, uh, the macroeconomic uh, uh, markets that we're still just seeing all the effects of. And um, that alongside just, you know, I think the Ukraine war really, just destabilized a lot of confidence that people had um, as well. And, you know, we're just seeing some of those effects. I think now as people are starting to see, you know, uh, you know, fingers crossed we're bottoming out, you know, but I think that's what people are starting to the chatter. I'm starting to see, uh, I think confidence is starting to come back and people are, you know, starting to, you know, want think like, Hey, now's maybe the time to, invest in uh now that we're maybe close to the bottom here final question josh you've been a good sport i've asked you some probably slightly unfair questions hopefully not too unfair no, no, you no. mentioned earlier that uh you transcribe all, all the content on it of course the current obsession in silicon valley is with chat gpt and we did a show earlier this week with the best-selling um, suspense writer Dean Koontz, on, um, who, who sold in his life 500 million books, as the physical books, real books, and whether or not uh, AI, chat GPT style AI can replace the author. How, how do you see the chat GPT, the open AI revolution affecting podcasting and your business model in terms of the creation of transcripts. Could you imagine maybe in five or 10 years there being uh, machine-driven uh, machine podcasts? I mean, I think there already are. Like you can go, I think uh, Descript, I think I bought a company that was focused on doing text-to-speech in the form of the voice of the speaker who you're working on. So you can make someone say things they didn't necessarily say. I think that's fascinating technology. How interesting is that for podcasting? I think that maybe works in some ways to the disadvantage because I think what's really amazing about podcasting and what people really like about it is it's incredibly genuine. It's and 
people are getting real access to real conversations with real people um, and about, you know, things they care about. And I kind of wonder if we start going too deep and trying to like auto generate a podcast about this and that, like if, you know, where's the heart in that? I don't know. I can't really see the too far into the future there, but what I will say is we're much more interested in helping empower human beings to create um, and really be the best at what they do and make all of the technology and the busy work move out of the way so that they can, their personality can shine rather than trying to generate a copy or, or, you know, have a computer take over. 